0: Hi, everybody. I'm Joshua Danziger. And I'm Ethan Canfield. Today is Thursday, August 26th, 2021.
1: And this is The Young Perspective, where we talk about America's biggest political and social dilemmas from the eyes of two high schoolers.
0: Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of The Young Perspective. Yeah. Remember that we we're posting every week ne- again because the summer is over, school has started, unfortunately, and, and we're back on The Young Perspective Grind. Today, we are talking about an interesting topic, which over the past couple years has become more evident and evident, Russian corruption. We've seen Russian collusion in American elections. We've seen Russian collusion in American politics, in American business, in, in enterprise, but we, we haven't talked much about Russian, Russian corruption in their own governments and their own country. So, so let's talk about it. Well, this all starts back in
1: 1999,
0: and that's when Putin first became
1: president. He was appointed president in that year. And right from the start, he started to take control of the government and then the media. And he kicked out journalists that, uh, didn't, be- that didn't follow him. He told everyone that unless they wrote exactly what they wanted him to and followed him, that they would be kicked out. And he did that. And those who opposed him, he kicked out. And maybe he put them in jail. Maybe he didn't. But they weren't allowed
0: in the media. And what's interesting about this is he uses the media to cover up all the other stuff he does. So Putin takes control of the media. And then he starts to do more things that people aren't going to know about because the media is not writing about it and informing the population about it. So Putin next in the 2000 election um, bans a bunch of people from running and helps you know, put his own candidates from United Russia that support him, helps them win. And once they have won the 2000 election, Putin has almost full control of the government because he controls the media. He controls the courts because, you know, Putin controls the courts, you know Putin. And then he he controls all the candidates and he controls all the other positions because he helped those people win and they support him. Now that he controls the government, he can... Do more illicit acts. So the next thing he does is he goes and he creates relationships with Russian oligarchs who are worth billions and billions and billions of dollars and who control many Russian industries. He creates relationships with them, he helps them out, and they help him out. So this this is the this is this is what the Russian this is what Russian corruption is based on. Putin helping rich friends and rich friends helping Putin. This trend is seen on all levels of the Russian government. So on regional um, and local governments too, friends help friends out, leaders help friends out to make more money. Everybody's trying to make more money and stay in power. And that is true about Putin. It's true about the low level guys too. And if these oligarchs decide that they don't want to help Putin, that they go against him, they're done.
1: He, He either puts them in jail on fake charges, or he kills them, or he kicks them out of the country. He finds some way to get rid of them. And in doing so, he now has control of every, practically every industry in Russia. And now no one wants to stop him. He has fear over everyone fears him. And he can do anything he wants.
0: He essentially builds a wall around him. He puts the powerful people around him, the, the elected officials, the courts, the media. You know, on all sides, he's protected. And that becomes very valuable for him. But it's, you must not forget that If one group turns against him, so if the media, you know, gains some freedom and turns against him, he can be exposed. If the oligarchs, if all the oligarchs together decide we're not going to support Putin anymore, we're not going to help him out. He's done because they have power, too. So, you know, it's like a house of cards. One card knocking over can destroy the whole the whole house. And in the past 10 years, we've seen an extraordinary attempt from one man. This man is named Alexei Navalny.
1: Alexei Navalny started off his attack against the Russian government in 2006. And that's when he started a blog where he talked about Russian corruption and Putin. And he kind of started to bring light to the whole situation that Putin had made for himself. He was talking about the oligarchs and the corruption and how he controlled the media. And this is kind of how he started to make a name for himself. And eventually, uh, this took place until 2010. Now, this is Navalny's big break. In 2010, he buys stock in a state train company. So this is a company that's related to the Russian government. And when he buys their stock, he was able to access their financial reports. And through their reports, he was able to come to the conclusion that they've embezzled $4 billion into their offshore accounts. And so now that he's found this information, he publishes this, and this goes somewhat viral. And everyone sees this, and this makes Putin mad, because he's now shown real proof of mass corruption and mass
0: uh, loss of $4 billion, uh, through the Russian government. So in between 2000 and 2008, it said that the Russian government had lost $400 billion to corruption. That's a lot of money in, in eight years. Um, what is that? Like $50 million a year, $50 billion a year. That's a lot. So now Putin is scared that more of the corruption is going to be shown. Alexei Navalny uses this platform and the new platform is the internet is, is the web where that Putin has a harder time controlling. He can't just shut down you know, the web like he can shut down media services. It's much harder. So, uh, you know, Alexei Navalny uses a blog, which many Russians can access. And uh, because it became well known by blogging. In 2012, uh, after election cycle and national protests against corrupt elections, Navalny emerges as a national opposition leader against United Russia, which is Putin's party um, and against Putin. And that's the first time that everybody knew him as an actual opposition opposition leader in Russia.
1: So the next year, in 2013, he decided he would run for mayor of Moscow. And this is his first big political campaign. He's raised all this support. And now it's time for him to put this into action. So. During his campaign, he was given no airtime on TV. None of the media would cover him, talk to him at all, because Putin basically told them, stay away from him completely. He had to make his own buzz, and so he made his own rallies, and he got many volunteers to spread the word, tell everyone about him. And through doing so and using his internet and his blogs, he was able to kind of make a big word for himself, and people knew who he was.
0: It all went sideways. We cannot forget that Putin controls the government and the courts. So Putin comes in, he arrests Navalny for in, embezzlement charges, fake embezzlement charges. So he, you know, he controls the courts, he's uh, Navalny is convicted of embezzlement, he is released on bail. Um when he's on bail, you know, there are protests, etc., but when he's on bail, he uh, actually gets second place in the in the Moscow election, so he doesn't win that. He goes to jail and it looked like for a period of time Navalny would be shut down.
1: Right. And at this point, Navalny decided that he would, you know, start this whole movement. Everyone was kind of starting to come around him after his campaign. You know, he might have lost for mayor, but, you know, that was just one uh, hurdle. It's not really the goal to become mayor. The whole goal is, is to get Putin out of office and to make the Russian government less corrupt, to bring light to this whole situation. And so it's not really about Navalny as a political leader. They don't, his followers don't really care about political views and necessarily him as a person. It's more about the idea that they want anyone opposed to Putin. They want him out of office. They want to take down the government. And Navalny, they believe, is the person to do so.
0: We cannot forget that in the beginning of Navalny's fame, he arose and became prominent because he was a journalist of sorts. He was a lawyer, but he's also a journalist um, publishing stuff about the corruption. And he turned his journalism into Video journalism. So he started creating these well, well, well done documentaries on YouTube that were published to the platform that any Russian could see. And uh, in these documentaries, he'd point out the corruption. And, uh, and one of the most notable ones is in 2017. He made he publishes this informational documentary exposing the rich, the riches and the corruption of Putin's one, the riches and corruption of one of Putin's greatest allies, who was the prime minister of Russia at the time. This causes outrage in the streets. One of the you know, notable parts about the documentary is it shows these five mansions this guy owns. And people were like, well, why does he get to own that? It's ridiculous when the, the Russian people are suffering. So there's outrage in the streets. And again, election Navalny's in the middle of it.
1: Right. And so time goes by another year later. It's 2018. He decides that he's going to run finally for president. But he is outlawed and blocked from running almost you know, a couple of days later by the Russian government because of his previous embezzlement charges. Again, this is a little ironic considering that the Russian government uh, is the one who's actually embezzling billions of dollars, and he's trying to expose that. It's kind of funny that that's what they chose to can uh, say his fake, make his fake charges based off of. But either way, he's now outlawed from running for president, and another two years go by, and it's now 2020, and it's the next presidential campaign. And he decides, well, if he can't run, and if practically no one else can run, because Putin controls the elections. You know, he decides that it's only him who can run and it's few people who are the he, fake he, opponents that he makes.
0: Yeah, he puts fake opponents in to split the vote and, the, you know, every, all the real the real voters will vote for Putin.
1: Right, and so he decides that in order to combat that, he comes up with this plan called smart voting. And smart voting is his pledge to get all the Russians who don't support Putin to vote for one of those fake opponents. And if they all vote for that one fake opponent, that same one, and that will put Putin in grave danger. That because that proves that they can take him down. Because if that fake opponent wins, that's practically no one. It's sure it's a person, but they have no experience. It's not. They're not going to be the prime. They're not going to be the president. So if everyone votes for him, it's more of a political uh, push. You know, a jab at Putin to get him to scare him. And well, the idea kind of works. Putin is not happy about this, and it seems like this will actually work out really well.
0: And it was a little bit successful on smaller scales, but. Navalny was taken out of that in uh, August of 2020. He was giving a speech, you know, telling people, urging people to vote out Putin's party, uh, United Russia. He was done with his speech and then he went on a plane back to Moscow. 30 minutes into the flight, he starts screaming. He is terrible, terrible pain. He's having seizures. His heart slows down. He's in some of the worst pain, he describes it, of his life. Uh, and, And the plane lands in a nearby city called Omsk. He's taken directly to the hospital. In the hospital, the doctors run blood tests. The blood, the doctors thought it was poisoning. It looked like poisoning from the outside, but the blood test said he was perfectly normal. There was no trace of, of poisoning. There was only trace of a little cholesterol or, or some little problem, but that wouldn't have caused you know the, the condition he was in. The doctors knew it was poisoning. They treated him for poisoning. A German uh, organization actually, you know, they wanted to get him out of Russia. Until then, you know, he, he was being swarmed by police. The hospital in Omsk was full of Russian government officials trying to take control of the situation. So the German organization flew a plane to, to Omsk. They flew him to Berlin, where he got treatment. And in Berlin, the, the tests by the doctors there showed he'd been poisoned by a Russian poison called Novichok, which was developed by the USSR in the 70s. Um, to use as for, for the KGB to use in, in spy operations to you know to murder people. And some believe that the goal of using this, this, this Russian poison was to kill Alexei Navalny. And what's interesting about this poison in particular, there are tons of poisons. They could use any poison, but the use of poison that can be directly traced back to the Russians because they're the only ones who use it. It's a fingerprint.
1: Right, so it's pretty obvious that the Russians tried to kill him. And so about four months later, he decides to go back to Russia. He's now healthy. And he flies back to Russia knowing, full well, knowing fully well that when he gets there, he will be immediately gone, shipped off to prison uh, uh, based off of his him leaving parole for his, uh, his embezzlement charges. He gets there and he gets arrested. He has to go to prison for about two years. And that's where he is right now.
0: During the first couple of weeks of Navalny's time in prison, he actually released a documentary on, on his YouTube channel that he'd been putting together beforehand. And this was a documentary which showed Putin's extravagant lifestyle, and these extravagant homes in real estate. So they took a drone in the Black Sea, his team, and they flew it over his mansion or castle on, on the edge of the Black Sea that's reported to be $1.35 billion. And they showed that this you know this castle, they found the plants, they showed a uh, hockey rink, they showed bowling alleys, they showed a casino, they showed how rich Putin was, and they showed how corrupt the government was and how Putin... St- Get, got that house based on favors he did for Russian oligarchs and how corrupt the whole system was. There was national outrage. Um, there, there were riots in the streets. The largest riots in years occurred this January after after this document, documentary was published, and he was he was sent to jail. What's interesting about it? It was viewed by 118 million Russians. There are the total population.
1: What I think it was 100 118 million views. Not we don't necessarily knows Russians. Oh yeah,
0: it was viewed by 118 million people. There were 118 million views. There are 140 million Russians. You know, that's the population of Russia. Assuming that 115 of those 118 million views were Russians, because it's in Russian, it's very impressive. It reached a huge amount of people. That's like crazy
1: amount of people. I read somewhere that in like one day, it reached 20% of adult Russians had seen the video. It's crazy, but it... But it caused massive outrage. People took to the streets. They were so mad. They wanted him out of prison.
0: 5,000 5, thousand people, 5, people were arrested um, during Yeah, the riot. it was crazy.
1: And Navalny was still in prison now. And about actually a day ago, he actually released an interview with the New York Times basically saying that the conditions of his pr- imprisonment are awful. He has to listen to about eight hours of Russian propaganda and nationalist film every day. He compares it to a Chinese labor camp where everywhere he goes, there's films and everyone's snitching on everyone and it's very scary. So it seems pretty crazy, very mentally challenging for someone. Sounds like torture to me. Right. Mental torture, not physical now.
0: You know, looking back on, on the whole Russian system, what's interesting to me is how Putin, in the early 2000s, Putin put a wall around himself. But that wall could not account for modern technology. Because as the internet Took took over, you know. uh, Alexei Navalny could publish blogs. He could post on YouTube. He could go around Putin's wall. He could expose Putin. He could expose Russian corruption. You know, without the media, he could do it on his own terms. So it the the internet and modern technology has allowed for for this almost revolution to happen in Russia because there's been so much outrage about it. Yeah, it seems like at the start of his
1: presidency, Putin developed a government that was can be used under the term an informational autocracy, right? This is the idea that he uses propaganda to manage his society. And basically he controls everyone through the media and he kind of brainwashes everyone to believe what he wants them to, um, to believe. But now that you know his house of cards is starting to crumble, his walls are starting to fall, he has to overcompensate and create an idea of an overt dictatorship which is ruling by fear and more direct uh, contact. He's now actually having to... Immediately put Navalny into prison right when he comes back. Instead of dealing with the problem, to deal with the problem, he immediately puts him in prison. He's now very much more direct. He's poisoning him and pretty much broad daylight in the terms of like the idea that they're using uh, a poison that only Russians use. So it's more uh, in the face; you can see it now versus more of a secret, you know, propaganda. So yeah. it's just Putin no, having but- to make all these changes based on the idea that. He's kind of scared. He has to I would, overcommentate, considering that his government is starting to have to make all decisions based off Navalny taking on.
0: I would disagree, Ethan. You know, Putin's, Putin's ratings are up. They're in, Putin's ratings have been, you know, high. No, now Putin's ratings have been down, down, down. That is not true. Ethan, his, his ratings are... They, they Every fluctu- article they I read, fl- said the ratings went down. The, his, his ratings fluctuate within a four percentage, you know, they fluctuate four percent. Out of a, out of 100, and, you know, they're down, down, down. But they, they were up in they were up last December. They were down in January. They were up in April. They fluctuate a lot. And, and he has wide support in Russia. Putin has wide support. And the reason he maintains wide support is through his propaganda campaign campaigns he, he does these huge photo ops where where putin will will stage a, you know stage in on a horse with his shirt off it's a famous photo or he'll be playing hockey against the national team and he'll score goals against the whole team and the team won't be able to defeat him or he'll be driving a race car and he'll win the, the, the race you know, he he does these photo ops where he is a strong, powerful leader. And the Russians like that. Putin projects power. He projects authority over the Russians. And now that, that is how he's continuing to maintain uh, a liking by a large majority of Russians. You know, we can we can talk about this opposition um, against Putin, but Putin still, still has tons of support from his people. I completely agree that
1: Putin, you know isn't in immediate danger. Obviously, I think he is in a pretty good stance to stay in power for a long time. However, he is in more danger now than I think he has been in the last 20 years, just because the fact that Navalny and the opposition is pushing him harder than they ever have and some of the holes that he's you know, built up in some of the, and we're now starting to see some of the holes form in his wall.
0: Thank, that's going to conclude this week's episode of The Young Perspective. Thank you for listening. We hope you learned a little bit about Russia um, and its crazy, crazy government. Uh, If you want to find more information about us, you can do so at theyoungperspective.net. Email us at ejtheyoungperspective at gmail.com. Our Instagram is the underscore young underscore perspective. Remember, be happy. And this was The Young Perspective.